It was 27 minutes ago last Thursday, and it was a sunny day in Tortuga. I had just come across a mechanic I had never seen before, and I needed to call him help. My partner's name is Josh. The game is Subnautica. My name is Luke. I'm drowning. I host this. Hey there, this is Luke, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Subnautica. And I'm joined with Josh, who's also going to be talking about Subnautica. Welcome to the jam sessions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, today I thought we would talk about a specific mechanic in Sub- Subnautica, and that is immersion and how it plays out in a uh, almost like a horror genre, right? You know, the suspense. And when you say immersion, you're talking about like being immersed in water and then it getting wet, right? You're talking about like no, wetsuit. not quite. I mean, there is immersion of that aspect in the game, and that's part of it. But I'm talking <laughs> about like uh, I'm talking about all of the different uh, aspects of the game: the sound, the visuals, mm-hmm. um, the atmospherics of a game that encourage you to get immersed in the game and forget where you actually are. It's I believe- a very humid atmosphere. It's it's a water planet. Yeah, very, very human atmosphere. You're, you're going to keep going with this, aren't you? <laughs> it's only fair. You do it to me all the time. I guess turnabout <laughs> is fair play. Anyway, why don't we talk a little bit about what Subnautica is? Uh, Subnautica is a survival... I don't really want to call it a survival horror game, but it kind of is. Uh, okay. It's a survival sandbox game. It's a underwater adventure game set on an alien ocean planet is what it says here. Um, it's an open-world survival action-adventure video game developed and published by Unknown Worlds Entertainment. Yeah. So the entire concept behind this game is um, you crash land on an unknown planet for unknown reasons. You come to in a survival pod in the water, and you explore the the planet that you've landed in, which is more or less completely oceanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can explore the ship that came down a few meters away from you. And you're trying to figure two out what kilometers. actually. Kilometers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe a kilometer, maybe two. Uh, yeah. It's it's not that far from you. It's within swimming distance. And uh, you're trying to survive and figure out what actually happened, why you crashed, and try to get off the planet again. But most of it is just you swimming around and trying to avoid being eaten and building underwater bases. Exactly. And that's where the immersion really comes in is is the uh, trying to survive and not getting eaten. The game does an incredible job of making you feel like you're there. And as I was saying before, um, any random screenshot of the game will generally give you the impression that it's just a beautiful, bright, cheerful, fun game. But as soon as you go under the water in the game when you're playing it – you suddenly get this sense of urgency mm-hmm. and it's kind of stressful because everything around you is making noise. The noises are foreign to you until you get to understand what's around you. Um, and then once you get to know what's making noises around you, then you're afraid of what those things are because you know that they're there to eat your face. Yep. And overall, it just it, it paints a picture of doom Well, I constantly. Think- to, to quote H.P. Lovecraft, like the ocean is the is the greatest and original terror um, because it is, you know, it is 
Like the ocean is the greatest and, and widest unknown that we have access to. That is true. And it's definitely made even worse by the fact that um, being on a planet that's all ocean, as far as you can see, having no yep. idea what's over the horizon or no idea at this point how to get to the horizon. Yep. And as events unfold in the game, that just gets worse. And it kind of, it kind of asks the question, what is worse, the unknown or knowing what's going to kill you? In a lot of ways, because as you develop an understanding of this world, it doesn't get any better. (laughs) I think the unknown is always worse. And I mean, and and I and I think that's sort of Lovecraft's point is, you know, Lovecraft being obviously the person who wrote the the Cthulhu mythos and a bunch of the other, you know, the, the great old ones and all that stuff. The idea that, you know, what you don't know and don't understand is far more terrifying than anything you know and understand because... You don't know. You don't know the length, the width, the depth of it. And that's that's the other thing is is what you're exposed to. What you learn is usually just a fraction of the truth. That's kind of what H.P. Lovecraft is pointing at. And that's Absolutely. ultimately, what I think what I what I'm also trying to say is that there's there's an aspect yes. of that that is a matter of the more you know, the more you realize you don't know anything. Okay, from from that aspect, yes, I was going to say that I think that the monsters themselves are less scary once you know what they do. Exactly. Um, and and that's that's kind of well, I mean, bit of both because as you you do develop an understanding of the local fauna yes. in the game, but as you expand your understanding of everything in the game, you realize that there's a much bigger picture going on yes. that is way larger scope and may in fact be beyond you. And well, and. and, and- it, it, it is a it is a Lovecraftian game in in that aspect. It it is for a game that is based on science and technology and growing your science and technology. It is very much a game, and to go much further than this would spoil it. But there is a very there is a very Lovecraftian aspect to this concept of being a very small dot in a very large world. Yeah, absolutely. a very small dot in a very large universe. Um, you know, or 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 aliens, or take take your sci fi story of choice. Um, and actually I think aliens is a very good place to talk, to, to start talking with some of this because, well, let's, let's draw two parallels, aliens and Titanic, both James Cameron movies. Um, claustrophobia is, I think the first terror of this game and is probably the, the longest lasting terror of this game. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the ones that I think immersively speaking, they did such a great job of because actually, mm-hmm. um, Let's talk about that for a second. That's okay. one of the things that I I absolutely love about this game is the fact that you have full 360 degrees range of motion. You can do so mm-hmm. much with a mouse and keyboard and you can navigate and you can look around and you never feel hindered. However, they have managed with the goggles and the, the way that the water is rendered when you're under the water to make you feel confined and closed in whenever you're underwater. And it's and- an amazing thing to be able to do. To, and the way the audio changes when you're underwater gives you that sense of enclosure and claustrophobia, even though you're not actually limited in what you can do motion speaking. You're actually, technically speaking, when you're on the you're surface free. of the water or when you're on, say, an island or a solid object, you have less control over what you're do- where, where you can go. So you can only go in the four cardinal directions and you, and you actually on a flat surface. Kind of- 
and you're actually kind of you're kind of a stumbly person when you're on land because you are wearing flippers and wetsuits and whatnot. Exactly, but when you're in the water, you have so much more control, mm-hmm. and yet you feel like you have less. It's an amazing sensation. Well, it, it's not that you feel like you have less control. It's that you have less information. And information, yes. and, and this is something we've talked about in all different kinds of games. Information is control in this game because information or awareness is control. And, yes. And like you were saying, like as far as survival horror games, I mean, I think one of the most famous and probably one of the most beloved Resident Evil 4 or a very similar game, Dead Space, like one of the ways that they most control, that they most deal with the horror is you don't have full control over your movement. You have, like, you have to stop and slow down and aim and then shoot and then you can move again. So you can't, you can't be aware of your situation at all times. And awareness is, lack of awareness is scary. Yeah. And, and, um, they usually mm-hmm. compound that in those games, uh, multiple ways, limiting control. Mm-hmm. For you know, you know, you have to jump jump between either being free to move or in a firing position that limits your movement. Right. They also um, give you that immersive sense of uh, enclosure as well, and claustrophobia. Oftentimes, with just very cramped set pieces that you're you're moving through. Well, cramped set pieces and sound and sound. Sound is always a powerful sound. thing. And the other thing that they do in that game and those games a lot of the times is. Um, by changing the story, by by throwing twists in in a way that makes you, when you start developing an understanding of what's actually going on, they pull that out from under you, and they they they, they usually go, ha ha, it's actually something else going on, and that oftentimes can really throw a person off because everything that you've been working towards, your understanding of the world that you're getting in, suddenly mm-hmm. isn't there, and that's well, oftentimes a big big way to take control out of a person. Well, there's that, and they do, and they do again. We don't want to spoil much, but they do do the, some of that in Subnautica as well. Yeah, exactly. Carpet. But also, there's one other thing that that all three of these games do really well, which is, and this only works in, in a horror style game is they build, they give you this anticipation of so there's go, there's gonna be something right there. There's gonna be something right there. There's gonna be some. There's nothing there. There's going to be something here. There's going to be something here. There's going to be something. There's nothing there. And then, you know, after a while, you're just sort of sitting there and then. Oh, my God, there's something there. (laughs) Yeah. And And that's that's uh, that's commonly used a lot in in movies. The the jump scare. The jump scare. um, And and playing on expectations. There was there's a specific game, which I won't really mention because I forgot. But I remember that the whole first level had nothing in it that could haunt you. Oh, I know what game that is. But it was also one of the scariest experiences because you expected around every corner something to happen that would lead to your untimely demise. But there was... It's the the original Aliens vs. Predators. Oh, yes, that's exactly what it was. It's Um, very famous for that. Yeah, and and I think that's that's the Aliens and Predators uh, franchise is is famous for that in their movies mm-hmm. and everything that they create. That whole oh, there's nothing really there. Oh no, it just ripped your intestines out, and and yep. it's it's a common idea of the surprise jump scare that they build up to with nothing happening until it finally happens. Pretty common uh, horror trope, actually. I, absolutely, it's it's play, playing on expectations and then subverting expectations is scary because people are used humans naturally understand patterns 
Um, and so betraying those patterns is disconcerting. It's, it's like we're saying about yanking the carpet out plot wise. Uh, but you're talking about aliens actually made me think like one of the things, one of the tricks about alien that is so important about that first movie is the way that they use sound to misdirect you. And one of the yes. great things about Subnautica and actually another, one of the great things about the original Bioshock that doesn't carry through to the later games and why I think the original Bioshock is still scary and Bioshock Infinite is, I love Bioshock Infinite, but it is not scary typically is the way that they use sound in Subnautica is great because when you're in the water, you can't, there was this constant white noise of the water, but you can't really hear things swimming around very well. There are some animals that you can, the, 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 the manatees that go, you can hear them and you can hear the blub, blub, blush, blush, blub. But you know, you could find, you could turn around and there could be something like right there in your face. Uh-huh. You know, I've I've several times turned around and had the the toothy guys like right there. Oh yeah, and, those guys are terrifying, and, and you can't hear them. <clears throat> yeah, that's the thing is is like you can hear them, but because um because of how they engineered the sound underwater, it's all bass. And here's, this is the this is the cool thing about bass, it doesn't give you any positional information. Exactly. Treble is what you humans actually use to identify locations, and that's why most sound systems they have tweeters that you position around you and those will allow you to identify locations but the subwoofer can be anywhere in the room because it's too broad range a waveform to actually discern where it's coming from and that's something that actually happens in water uh bass sounds are the only thing that can really carry underwater so Mm -hmm. by engineering their sound in that way it's very realistic and immersive in that you can hear everything but you have absolutely no idea where it is at any given time and even more so they travel they're, the, they're one of the only sounds that travel but they also travel far 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 more distance than they do in air yeah so not only can you hear things you could hear things from the other side of the map and you have no idea where they you are have no idea where they are and and, and then you and, and then suddenly that because because then you're swimming over like i remember the first time i swam over that completely black just depth and it's mm. like i could hear something down there I don't know what it is. I can't see more than about three inches in front of my face. I don't want to go anywhere near that. Yes. Um, and one. So here's one really fascinating thing that I didn't even realize until this, until I saw a video about it. I probably would have noticed it after the second or third playthrough. That map is not randomly generated. No, it's not. It's all custom made. Yeah, that map. There, there are there are a couple of very very minor things that move a little bit. Like the forest move, can move to be can be like one of two different positions, but like ninety five percent of that map is static. And I didn't realize that till the second or third time I yeah. It's that. it's more like it's it's like uh, progressively generated, where yes. like a majority of it is in in known places, and like the details in each region yeah can be randomized. But for the most part, yeah, it's it's. It's tailored, and that that makes it like clearly designed to have a goal by the yes. designers, which is great. Well, there's that part, but there's also the fact that like I didn't realize that because I spent so little time, so much time just trying to avoid so much of that area. Because it's like, you know, it's like I didn't see enough of it to start mapping it in my head. Because it's like I don't want to rate like in my mind that thing the maps become centralized around where your base is because you don't want to go too far away from it. Yes. 
Um, actually, I will say, like, I started playing it. So they have Subnautica for the uh, the consoles now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started playing it on my Xbox uh, One that I bought because of <laughs> because we're going to be quarantined. I figured I might as well have something to do. Um, <laughs> uh, and it, it is not as terrifying when you play it on your TV because you're further away from it. I tend to have the audio down a lot lower. I tend to have something else playing. At the, you know, I tend to be listening to something else at the same time. That distance does make it a lot less intense. And it, it is a really interesting... But the jump scares still work pretty darn well. But oh, a lot yeah. of the other stuff doesn't like the the app the oppression of that game can be toned down a bit, which is good, but also bad. My like as I like to f- feel those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Immersion in games is something that I really enjoy. I have difficulty with because I have ADHD, so it's it's easy for me to break immersion. And it's frustrating for me to break immersion. Well, but when a game captures me well, like Subnautica does, I really appreciate it. Well, there's that, but there's also the fact that I am never going to beat that game if I don't back off of it a little bit because, like, I can't get very far in that game because. And and here's something that's really interesting because you know, speaking of of scary games and whatever, I started playing Bloodborne recently as well, which is a game ostensibly about Lovecraft. Not scary in the least because you feel empowered in that whole game. It's it's a soul uh-huh. it's a soul game. You have weapons. You can fight all the monsters. You can't fight like the other thing that Subnautica does really well is you can't kill. Well, I mean, you kind of can. You have a knife. You can kill things if you really work at it. But you can't kill most of the things you come across. You just have to run. Yeah, and that's a that's actually kind of an interesting lore related thing. Is when you first start out, uh, you can make a knife. The game has a 3D uh, printer, the, yep. the the pod that you have, but because of corporate reasons, you can only ever make a survival knife. It can make you can make a, you can make a stasis gun. You can make a couple of other things, but you can't make anything lethal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Like I've seen a couple of GDC talks by these guys, and it's really interesting seeing that like how much of what they, how much of the stuff that in hindsight seems like, oh well, this is obvious, like why this game is so tense and why this game is so scary. Like they weren't planning, they weren't planning that in the beginning. They were absolutely planning to have some amount of weaponry, not, not hardcore weaponry, but they were planning to have two or three other weapons. And then they said, no, this is making this game more interesting. And you know, the soundscape stuff, like they were not originally planning to do that. Or, or, or the, the, the fixed map, they were, they were originally planning to make it semi-procedural, but they didn't have the budget for it, so they made it, you know, they crafted hand, it, handcrafted, and that has actually wound up working out better than if it had been procedural. And it's really interesting hearing some of these things that from game designers where it's like, oh well, this is obviously why they did X, Y, or Z, and it's like, no, that wasn't our plan at all. But it just we lucked into it, and it wound up being so good that we kept it. And it's something that we've talked about before, like. Being a designer isn't just knowing and having a vision. It's also being able to know when something that you stumble into is good design. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a question of like, is this going to work the way I envision it? Or do I need to adjust my vision to suit what I've suddenly accidentally created? Yes. And and being able to implement uh, concepts on the fly as as they generate and embracing limitations. That's something Mm -hmm. that I think designers don't always do very well. We've had, uh, from like the NES era, we've had limitations on what we can do in games. 
And it's always been that true good designers embrace their limitations and make games that use them in clever ways rather than like um, trying to pursue the technological edge. Well, I think this is something that you as, a, as an artist can speak to. If you, somebody just tells you to sit down and just says, draw me a picture, it's a whole lot harder than if somebody says, hey, draw me a picture of an elephant. Yeah, exactly. And and sometimes limitations can be can be good in that way because then you have a framework to work around. Exactly. Um, and and I think that's super important. And it it really is like I, I highly recommend people check out some of the the GDC talks from the Subnautica guys because they go into some really interesting stuff. And I think they're one of the few indie designers who have some things that even non designers can learn some stuff from. But it really is like it really is fascinating how much Subnautica works in a way that you actually wouldn't think it would. And in a way that like it's probably one of the better one of these types of games, right? Like Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that they do a fantastic job um with the uh survival open world element especially in that that it's all crafted and it's crafted to tell a story in a, such a great way um storytelling is is a difficult thing and to me one of my my ideas of a uh, one of the worst flaws that you can do in storytelling is telling somebody something that you could have shown in a subtler way absolutely and they do sure that they do that so well in this game mm-hmm. that there are you can come across little story related information that you can play back these audio clips and stuff like that and even with that you're getting fragments of a broader story going on and it's beautiful in assembling that that you have to build a picture yourself and they never give it to you what I find really interesting is, I mean, you we ta- we hear people talk about how like telling stories through level design, like uh, the 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 guys who made Gone Home talk about that, the guys who made Bioshock talk about that. This is the only game that I've seen where they take that and apply it not just on the macro level or, or on the micro level of one level or one room or, or or telling stories within a room, like Fallout likes to do that a lot. You know, like mm-hmm. oh, you come across this little set. This whole, the literally the entire scope of this map is designed to funnel you in way. Like they talk about how they specifically wound up with the ship being pointed in the way, like it wasn't originally going to be this way, but they wound up with, oh, you land and the ship is right in front of your face. That wasn't, it was originally behind you, mm-hmm. but they realized that by putting it in front of you, it gives you a goal because right. they said, okay, well. This should be my next step is to get to here. And then once you're at the ship, they can slowly reach out game out goals for you. But well, they do actually, that. that's not entirely true. As you approach the ship, a goal is set before you because well, of yes. the state of the ship and what it's in. Um, and then as you progress, other things that occur. Right, but as, as you progress these other, you, you, to to get to that thing, you have to do these other things that lead to you finding these other these other pieces of the story. But they do, but it's not a level. Like I mean, Bioshock gets to fall back on. Well, we're just going to send you to this other place, and then we'll have that part of the story there. This is one unified, cohesive thing that people can absolutely break, and people absolutely have. But they've set it up in such a way that it still kind of funnels you back without ever feeling like you're being railroaded. That's without true. Ever 
Without ever giving you story stuff the way that Fallout does. And on top of that, you can, you can like you said, you could break it and the game to, to a certain extent accepts what you do. Right, because there's only like two or three things that you have to do and there's no way to not do those things. Exactly. Unless, unless as we've talked about before, assuming you are quote unquote playing the game and aren't just you know, and aren't just content to just sort of sit in an awesome base for the rest of your life. Like if you want to make progress, you will have to do these things. Yes. Um, and, um, and, and that's, that's an interesting thing about that is the way that the game as a new player routes you is great. And that, and that it does actually take someone who knows the game and, and its mechanics mm-hmm. to break it. But once you hit that point, as far as I'm concerned, uh, it doesn't matter how the game is is crafted accidentally breaking the game is one thing but because this game is crafted so well it's hard to to do that you can come across things if you explore early but because like you said there are story related things that will occur to to make those elements and those locations feasible later is a big difference if 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 you were playing through it on if you were playing through it as a person who is coming to it for the first time you are probably going to do these things in a in a relatively consistent order yeah and that's Um, great level design and another another really interesting thing they talked about is the the way that the technology worked because i forget how it was at one point but they made it so that you now have to go out and do more searching over the ground so they're forcing you to leave your comfort zones yes they're forcing they they intentionally want to put you in a place where you have to confront the things around you and i think again it's really clever. Like they don't, uh, it's this really interesting dynamic push and pull between safety and, and fear, safety and fear, safety and fear. Like yeah, they give you a place to retreat to, but you have to leave it to do anything meaningful. Yeah. The, the area is scattered with debris and survival pods that you have to mm-hmm. find uh, part of the story as it advances more are located and you go out and you explore them and you get more information. It's, it is, yeah, absolutely designed to get you out of your comfort zone. And the like you've also said, it because it's it's designed to radiate from your safe location at your rescue pod. Um, the farther out you go, the more terrifying it gets. And it, it slowly yep. it slowly pushes you deeper and deeper in the world as you advance the story. And and, and that also seems logical, right? Like the the higher and the lower you get, the more extreme things are. Yeah. Um, and so, so this leads me to one last, I guess this is my sort of last question. You may have more thoughts on it. So they have a, I forget what they call it, peaceful version or, or sandbox or creative or whatever they call it. Yeah. I don't understand why that is in this game. Actually, you, you kind of touched upon it just a few minutes ago. Okay. When you said, if you want to just stay in your base forever, it just removes the storyline oh. elements so that you can just Build your base in peace. Well, all right, all right. Let, let, let me rephrase that. I understand from that aspect. I understand why it's in the game. I feel like it is in violation of the spirit and intent of this game to allow that mode to be there. I disagree. I think it's um, it's kind of a nod by okay. the developer saying there are other ways that you might want to play this game, and we understand if you want to play the game this way, constantly being bothered by the story elements popping up and bugging you is annoying. So all that is is uh, if you don't want to worry about the story, then play it this way, I and the it'll take sol- the pain away. 
I thought the creative still leaves that in there. It just doesn't require you to have oxygen and food and shelter. Oh, and are you talking about like the easy mode kind of settings? I don't I don't remember what it, I, I thought it was just the one that takes away all the survival aspects, but still leaves the monsters. At which point, like, that's still the ma- the major threat of the game. Like, just being able to just start swimming out with no need for oxygen just feels weird. Uh, it's, it is definitely an easy mode, and I, I'm, I'm less apt to... I don't know. It's a it's a it's a game mode that I would wouldn't really use because I like in survival games to play mm-hmm. as intended. But I'm also especially more and more with what we've seen and what we've discussed in the past, giving people the flexibility to complete the game and enjoy the story story of a game, you know, by reducing the difficulty as an accessibility feature. I guess that's fair. Can be a good thing. And and it's definitely worth playing and if you're having difficulty playing it in quote unquote easy mode i can't really hold that against the person if it, I, if, it I, if it gets them in the game oh I'm, I'm certainly not holding it against a person who would choose to do that for me it's more the i just i don't quite see the i mean i guess from an accessibility point maybe yeah it's just to me it feels anathema to the rest of the design of that game it just feels weird uh it, um, I generally agree. Yeah. And we would definitely recommend if you're going to play this game at the very least, play it as it's intended Mm -hmm. because you're going to get the most out of it that way. And and yes, that's a better way of putting it. Yes. It's stressful, but that's the point. Yes. Okay. That experience that, that that's a better way to put it. I think the ideal way to play that is the normal mode. Exactly. Yes. That's okay. That, that, that I'll agree with. Um, yeah, I, I was telling you the other day. I was considering getting the uh, getting a VR thing, except they're all sold out right now. But uh, one thing mm-hmm. I had considered was, you know, Subnautica and VR. I don't think I could play that. I want to. I want to so bad. But um, I am currently unemployed, thanks to our current situation. So the ability for me to purchase one of those has kind of gone out the window. Even then, like I've told you before, I mean, I grew up. My my whole family is you know many in fact i think we talked about it in our game of the year when we talked about subnautica a couple years ago um you know my whole family comes from maine um i grew up on the ocean's edge uh, on the beach i've done diving i've done boating i've done all of those things the ocean terrifies me i don't want to be any more immersed than i am um the thought of you know the thought of putting on goggles and then experiencing drowning Mm-hmm. Like that is already my nightmare. Like drowning is like I've already come close to drowning a couple of times in my life. I don't want to experience that in VR. No, I I can I can see that, and I um I, I think I've told you the story before about how because my dad used to work on a boat uh, when they when he and my mom went to go see uh, Titanic, like he had to walk out at some point because he's just like I can't I can't handle this, um and I feel like for me that would be very similar with Subnautica and VR. Quite, quite possibly. Um, that's something I, I don't have much exposure to. I mean, I'd actually. Be I spent a lot of time on the in the ocean as a kid yeah. uh, at the beach because we used to go to the beach fairly regularly. Like every summer, we'd go at least two times. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, my exposure to the ocean is minimal. So I'd actually be really curious, like if there are any listeners out there who are from like the central, you know, the Midwest or or or, or the the central states 
who have played this game, does it work on you in quite the same way that it does for us being, you know, coastal people? Because, you know, you don't have as much of an exposure to the ocean. Does it still hold that absolutely nightmarish feeling for you that it does for me? Yeah, that would definitely be an interesting thing to uh, to discuss. I will also say that I'm not sure. Sh- I mean, there are some horrifying monsters in the Subnautica. I'm not sure you necessarily need them. There are some pretty horrifying monsters in the real oceans. That is true. All right. So uh, I think it's time to move on. We've talked a yes. lot about this. Um, so um, is there any mechanics that you think were misused or fall flat in that game? Just as a quick. Um, I haven't played it recently enough to really have any thoughts on that per se. I don't like the hypnosis. The hypnosis? The hypnosis monster. The hypnosis alien. The thing that can take control away from you. Ah. Uh. I mean, I don't like that in games in general. That really terrifies me. But I don't think I I've don't... come across that one. That one's probably a little bit later I, in the game than me. I yeah, I don't like the way that it works in this game, and I don't like losing control of my character in general. And I, I mean, it clearly was put in there to be terrifying, but I don't think you need that f- f- sort of terror. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. Th- I feel like it. Like we said, that so much of the rest of that terror of that game is inbuilt into the setting. I don't think you need that to do it. No, that's that's true. Um, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Also making it really, also the, the, the randomness of drops is a little frustrating sometimes, especially yeah. with like silver. Yeah. Some of that, some of the ores and stuff, uh, that's definitely something I would mention. Um, sometimes it's not clear where you can find stuff and yes. with the sophisticated AI that's supposed to be assisting you throughout this game, it seems like it should be easier to find these things. Now, as you build your base, there are attachable features that will improve that, I believe. But mm-hmm. for the most part, like early game, it's it's frustrating. The re- the really frustrating one is that the the, the first tier of ore and the second tier of ore look very similar. Yeah. So like you think you're breaking rocks for silver ore, and you're breaking the ones with copper and the, that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. That's true. a little frustrating. Okay, so that's good. Um, so what are your overall feelings of the game? In general, I think I don't know that I like the game, but I respect the game. I, I or or I like the game. I don't know that I enjoy the game. Let's let's go with that. It's it is a game that I'm fascinated by. It's a game that I keep going back to, but it's also a game that I find very it's, very challenging and very it's, intense. It's very stressful for you yes. considering your background. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I personally, I love this game. Mm-hmm. I but I also love immersive immersive um especially immersive horror style games stuff like this that scares me. Um, because I avoid visceral games and visceral content, I, it kind of makes it hard for me to find, um, acceptable horror games, stuff mm-hmm. that's not just absolutely grotesque. So stuff like this, true suspense tends to be my bread and butter stuff that really make, gives me an emotional response, uh, in well, it's, ways it's outside not, of just like, bleh. it's not grotesque and graphic. And it's also, there's also not like, it's also one of the few things that is based in real realistic horror you know there's no ghost there's no monster well i guess it's technically monsters it's it's not even really monsters it's it's uh for the planet it's sci-fi but it's natural yes everything about it is natural it's things that you could conceivably see on an alien planet um that there's monsters in the monster hunter sense not monsters in the frankenstein sense exactly which is which is enjoyable it's the type of stuff that i like so it's right up my alley i enjoy it um i get why people would limit their time with that because it is also truly scary mm-hmm. 
and it is it is hard to cope with sometimes, especially if you play it like at night with the lights off and so I don't have headphones. I don't in. play games like that anyway. But um, I don't turn I don't turn my lights off because I I don't want to get damaged my vision any more than I already have. Um, so my I guess my last question I don't know what the other questions we have, but how far have you actually gotten in the game? Um, I have gotten. I have gotten essentially through the first um, human ship visit and what occurs at that point. Okay. I think you might actually have gotten a little bit further ahead of me than I have. Yeah. I think to the island. I think I, yeah, the island. That's, okay. that's right. Yeah. The island is some story related stuff. I've gotten a little bit beyond that. And okay. I've, I've come across the creatures that you were talking about that take control. I never got close enough. I saw them and noped out immediately. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's what you're talking about there, the the, the swimming bipedals. Oh, no, maybe I haven't come across those. But, um, yeah, there is aliens on this planet, and there's some alien-related story, but we don't want to spoil that yeah, too Yeah, we, we won't go much. any further than that. Okay. It, so, is, it is very much like aliens. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. Okay, yeah. so would you recommend this game? Tentatively, yes. Um, With the caveat that you have to be into... Scary I, I, suspense I not, games. Yes, I would not recommend this to somebody who is faint at heart. Um, but if you're a person who enjoys, if you're a person who enjoys that Ark Minecraft style of game, this is probably the best one of those. Absolutely, because it, it it takes the survival aspects of those games, but in a crafted real. sense. Yes, which well, is and there's fantastic. a reason for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although okay. you can't ride, you can't ride dinosaurs the way that you can in Ark. Which is probably the one good thing about Ark. True. Although I will say Subnautica significantly better optimized than Ark. <laughs> True. Although it wasn't before. It it is a bit resource intensive. It is. But my goodness, this is a gorgeous game. But I can actually run it on my PC, which is not necessarily always true of Ark. I should try Ark sometime. I haven't played that. Maybe I'll try and uh, we can uh, talk about that at some point. Yeah, we should do that. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for Subnautica. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Our next show should be up in about two weeks, as per usual, uh, barring any major issues. Uh, This day and age, you know how that's going. Um, Please take the time to rate and share the show um, and your podcasting platform of choice. We definitely appreciate it. It helps get the word out. And as we're fairly new, we, we really need that. So if you like this show in any way, please do that. Thank you for listening to yet another Spitball Jam session. We hope you enjoyed the show. We apologize for the delay in the latest few episodes. We hope that you'll give some patience to us, given all the other things going on lately. The intro music was Hikari, Planet B Remix by Utada Hikari. The outro music was Words for Arabella by Mary Shubal. And tune back in in a few weeks for another exciting episode about Bugdead. Good night.